I don't try to get you to do aerobics tonight for sure. I'm, I'm not. But could you stand <laughs> for the reading of God's word? I'm sorry. Philippians chapter 1, if you go there. Philippians chapter 1. And uh, we're in the New Testament. And we go into the book of Philippians at night. And we, of course, uh, and the theme of this uh, study is living worthy of the gospel. And I'm sorry, not living worthy of the gospel. It's this. It's press on series. Okay, that's the title of the message tonight is Living Worthy of the Gospel. The, the series is press on series. Okay, let's look at Philippians chapter 1 verse 27. And let your conversation or way of life be as it cometh the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of prediction, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which ye saw in me, and now here be, I mean, here to be in me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this passage of Scripture. And I pray, Lord, Father, help us to live or to have our lives living worthy of the gospel message of the Lord Jesus Christ. May, Lord, the places we go, we don't put your name to shame. May we stand up for the truth, live the truth. May people see Christ in us, the hope of glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So tonight, living worthy of the gospel. In this press sound series, and we will continue in Philippians chapter 1. And of course, we are working in our, throughout this book of Philippians, and we are learning the means of press on series. So, you know what you know? The Christian life is a press on life. You know, it's not a stay still, it's a proactive life. You notice that? You know, in order for you to witness to somebody, you got to be proactive. You got to go, you got to tell. You know, for you order for you to read your Bible, you got to be proactive. You got to open the Bible. You got to put your mind into it. You got to read. So it's a proactive life. Even when you sit in the pew, say, well, some preachers say, don't just be a pew warmer. I've said that too. All right. <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's the thing. It takes effort to get to the pew, right? You got to get out of your house. You got to get in the car or walk and get to the pew. You know, and I'm glad you're sitting down. <laughs> All right. So. <laughs> So today's passage is really a turning point in the book, in this book. So up to this point, Paul was really being talking about, it was, it was really be, been talking about himself. Now that might seem odd at, at first, but remember this. This is a letter to the Philippians, okay? And then Paul uh, was writing to the Philippians here. And what we do when we write a letter? First, we usually think we greet in our greetings, right? Then we start talking about ourselves, Things, you know, that we're going through. Then we begin to ask questions about, and now how are you doing? You ever, you ever wrote a letter? So you say, this thing's going on with me, and this thing's going on with me, this thing's going on with me, or this is what we're doing. And then, then finally we say, what about you? How's things with you? Is things okay? What are you doing? So usually, so the epistle of Paul right here to the Philippians, it's a letter to the Philippians, okay? And Paul talked about himself. Now he kind of shift a little bit. But you, uh, one thing right here, um, let's see. Okay, so you tell 
Uh, well, so anyway, anyway, well, that is a similar here, except, except that Paul is an apostle, okay? So instead of asking questions how they're doing, he will give actually them instructions, solid teachings from God's word. So instead of them, them do like we do, you know, how you doing, how's things going with you, Paul begins to give them solid instruction of how to live the Christian life. Isn't that good? Because today we can take fruit out of it and say, oh, I can apply that to my life as well. Okay? So, so what does it mean to live worthy of the gospel? What does that mean? We have to be careful here because part of the gospel message that we are not worthy, right? We lost. People are lost in sin. So we do not earn or deserve God's favor in our lives when we are lost. We have all sinned against God, and now we're deserving eternal punishment. And yet, the good news of the gospel is that God sent what? Jesus Christ, His Son, to die for our sins to bring and to bring us back to God. So, the gospel is all about God's grace, and has nothing to do with us being worthy. Listen, you and I are not worthy of going to heaven. You and I are not worthy of salvation. Is all God's grace, and Ephesians talks about that. It's by the grace of God that you are saved. It's by this grace that He gave us salvation. It's nothing to do with us. We're not worthy of salvation. It's God's mercy and grace. Okay? So the gospel is God's grace, reaching to a lost sinner. So when you got saved, and you got saved, and you got saved, it is God's grace reaching to you. Okay, it was not like, oh, I deserve, no, you didn't deserve anything. It's God's reaching to you, and you said, yes, like Jill today. You know, Jill today, God's grace reached to her. She said, yes. Finally, she got saved today, brother. Praise the Lord. All the gospel message, all the prayers, all the, you know, time, you know, uh, uh, witnessing to her, and she kept saying, nope, nope. Finally, she said, yes. You know, here's one thing I want you to uh, hear tonight. Don't give up on people. Don't. Because they might say no today and things change in their lives and they say yes tomorrow. Okay? People change. And, you know, sometimes it will be a day that you don't care about God and one year later you are searching for God. You never know. Okay? So we just keep, you know what? We can't save anyone, but we can continually be a light. Be a light to the world. Be a light. All right. One thing, you know, I went to see the Jamestown. Have you ever been to Jamestown? Jamestown, Jamestown. Beaver Tail, Beaver Tail. Everybody's been on Beaver Tail. Now, let me ask you the question. Who's been inside the little, um, what do you call that, little museum right there in the gift shop? When you walk in in the left room, there is a big light they used to use in the old days. And I want to walk in there remind me, that's the light of the gospel. Well, I'm not saying it's like that. I'm saying that's what that thing does when it's letting up towards the ocean so people can see the light and guide themselves because they're like, same thing with the gospel. The gospel is that light that mankind needs. So when we talk about living worthy of the gospel, we're not talking about living in such a way as to earn the benefits of the gospel. Rather, we are talking about living in such a way to reflect the reality that God has already forgiven you in Christ. So if you are in Christ, God has forgiven your sins. You are, you are, he, was, he has adopted you to be His child. He has given you His Holy Spirit. 
to guide you. He promised always to be with you, and he will never leave you nor forsake you. What a great promise the gospel brings, isn't it? So the, those amazing gifts from God, they are, uh, and these should make a difference in how you live your life. You cannot live worthy to receive the gospel. Rather, you should live worthy of the gospel which you have received. So, so what does it mean to live worthy of the gospel again? Well, of course, it means a lot of things, but we will look at three things tonight, okay, that Paul having here in this passage. So I have three slogans for you tonight, and one is this. Number one, all right, whatever happens. Number two, one man. Number three, no fear. You get it? Okay. So repeat with me. Whatever happens, one man, no fear. All right, let's see it together. Whatever happens, one man, no fear. We're going to look at this tonight, okay? Let's look at this thing, okay? Number one is what? Whatever happens. Whatever happens. There you go. <laughs> look at verse 27. <laughs> I come and see you, or else be absent. So, so that whatever, whether I come to see you, or else absent. So whatever happens in here. What Paul is saying, look at the verse. Verse 27. That whether I come to see you, or else, if I don't come to see you, guess what you need to do? You live the gospel. Put it this way. Hear me. Whatever happens, right? What happens if I die tonight? I'm going to heaven. What about you? What are you going to do? You're going to continue on, right? See what this Paul saying in here? Whatever happens to me, he's trying to encourage them. Whatever happens to me, Either I go see you or not go and see you. Either I die or live. Whatever happens, what are you going to do? Continue on. You follow that? That's encouraging, isn't it? That's encouraging. All right. Whatever happens. Okay? <laughs> so remember, Paul has just been filling them with the details of his life. Paul is in prison preaching this gospel. He is in prison. Okay? He's waiting for whatever is going to happen to him. He doesn't know. He's not, but he's not afraid of dying. In fact, he longs to depart to be with Jesus. He said himself in this, in this book, which is, he said, far better, but it's more necessary for the Philippians that Paul remains with them and continue to minister to them. So, convinced of this, Paul believes he will remain and will be restored to these partners of the gospel whom he, uh, he so dearly loved. He loved the, 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 the Philippian church. You know by reading the letter that he loves this church. So, but he doesn't know for sure. So he tells them that whatever I come to see you, whatever be absent from you, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, in one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. He says, literally, listen, if I go see you, if I never see you again, I want to hear that you continue on. That's what he wants you to do. Me and you, same thing. So, Brother Chris, if you go to heaven tomorrow, I don't want you to go to heaven tomorrow, but if you go to heaven tomorrow, you know, you know what? We continue on. If I go to heaven tonight, you continue on. Don't give up. Don't get discouraged. Don't uh, forget it. No, no, you go on. Because one day you will walk in too. Okay? So, Paul tells the Philippians, I hope that it can be, I can be with you. But if not, keep on going. Keep on delivering the gospel. Keep on living this gospel. So let A, continue on with the gospel. Look what it says in verse 27. And let your 
conversations. So don't let that word uh, uh, trick you. There is your way of life be as become the gospel of Jesus Christ. All right? Let your way of life be as become the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are two important principles we can learn from this verse here. First, all determined to live for Christ no matter what happens. The phrase at become and translate the word as become here after a godly short uh, uh, wordly, actually in the Greek, the uh, only uh, live worthy of the gospel. That's what the verse is saying here. The Greek says to us, only live your life worthy of the gospel. In other words, Christ and the gospel come first. You may take this job or that job. You may go to this school or that school. You may live in Rhode Island and move to another state. Whatever happens, Paul says, only, only, only they do this, live worthy of the gospel. You follow that? If you move to Japan, if you move to Italy, if you move to England, if you move to California, then whatever you go, whatever happens, he says, you keep going on. You keep doing it. You live worthy of the gospel. You know, you never know what the Lord takes us. Do you? You don't know. I don't know. But he says, whatever happens, you just keep going on. Okay? So, God gives you a lot of freedom. God gives you a lot of latitude in the choices that you make and I make. But no matter your choices, no matter your circumstances, put Jesus on the, and the gospel first. Determined to live for Jesus no matter what happens or where life takes you. Those words conduct, uh, conduct yourselves, translated in a word that means to live as, as a good citizen, to discharge your duties as a good citizen. So just... So Philippi was a Roman colony, folks, and so they had the amazing privilege of, um, of Roman citizenship and all the benefits that came with it. Now Paul is reminding them to, to the amazing benefits of citizenship of the kingdom of God. He said, you guys are citizens of heaven, so whatever happens to me, you just go on. So, whatever happens to me, you just go on. I'll give an example. Okay. My father was a man of a few words. Quiet guy. But a happy guy. You see me? It was my dad. Okay? I got it from him. <laughs> but that was my dad. But the quiet guy. My dad loved family gatherings. You know, like a lot of festivities and food. Loved to eat. All those things. All right? When my dad died, my mother didn't get that. And for almost 12 years, I've been telling my mom, Mom, Dad wants you to, lead, to, to laugh and to rejoice. Uh, no. That's what he wants. Go on. Don't forget him, but go on. Well, whatever happens, Paul said, don't cry over me because I'm gone. Keep going. Keep going. That's encouraging. What I find this book is a very encouraging book. So, let it be. Trust God in good times and in bad times. See, this in verse 27. Paul says, I don't know what's going to happen, but either way, good or bad, keep going on. Trust God in good times and bad times. Paul did not know whether he, would, he was going to be executed, which he was, or he was going to be released from prison. The Philippians didn't know whether Paul, they would see Paul again or not, but either way, Paul was determined to live for Jesus. 
Remember Paul's words. Look, it says in Philippians 1.20. According to my earnest expectations and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. See, and he says in verse 21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He said, it don't matter what happens to me. You go on. I'm, that's what I'm going to do. Even if I die, even if I live, I'm going to live for him. And he says, and you keep going on. So Paul was a, it was in a tough situation here. He was, but he did not affect his relationship with God. He had learned to trust God in good times and bad times. And listen, folks, I'm going to tell you this. Right? Okay. I'm going to tell you this. I've been saved for almost 25 years. Okay? And it's one thing that I've seen through the years. Not here. Okay, not, don't, don't try to, you know, oh, who's this? Okay, no. How many Christians I have seen, when life hits them hard, the first thing they give up is on God. They give up on God. They give up on church. They give up on, and, and you even call them, and they treat you like a heathen, like you don't exist. Ever been there? And you call them and you call them like, what happened? What I done to you? Nothing. They give up on all that because it's everybody else's fault. Why do you do that? You know, Paul said, it doesn't matter what happens. If I live, if I suffer, I'm going to serve Jesus. You see, part of living worthy of the gospel of Christ is developing this whatever happens attitude of Paul. Get this. The great reality of life is that life throws at us many curveballs. On which we don't expect. Sometimes we, we are on the mountain type of life. Sometimes we are in the deep valleys. Determined to live for Jesus no matter what happens. Trust God in good times and bad times. Let me put it this way. I was watching the Red Sox. Today was a good day to watch the Red Sox. They were up like 6 nothing when I left. I said, that's good. The Red Sox are good today. <laughs> but I see the, the Red Sox pitcher today. He was just pitching. And he threw a nasty pitcher at one of those hitters. He threw him a curveball. The guy was just stunned. And they're like, well, that is like, if you understand baseball, you go like, wow, that was good. If you don't understand baseball, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But, I mean, that ball came. And sometimes life is like that. It throws you something at you and you don't expect it. And you get like, wow. But it says, determined to live for Jesus no matter what happens, trust the Lord. Number two, okay, one Lord to serve. One Lord to serve. So that's our first slogan. Second slogan, what happened? First slogan, what happened? Second slogan, one Lord to serve. Okay? See this, we see this in the second part of the verse 27. It says, whether I come and see you, whether I be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast. Look what it says, in one spirit. It is clear that Paul just is facing, is facing persecution for his faith in prison. So the Philippians are facing persecution for the faith in Philippi. So it is not easy living a worthy of the gospel in such conditions. So when you start taking a stand for Christ and the gospel in your life, you will face opposition. Listen, folks, we don't face opposition in America in a way that our life is threatened. Not yet. And I hope never happens. But in other parts of the world, this happens. On people people have lost their lives for believing in the gospel and, and trying to live for Jesus. I remember we had a missionary from Iraq that came to our church one time. He said that he had a, a storefront, like a little store. And, and what he did was pretty ironic and pretty neat. But imagine if he got caught. The back of the store 
It was a moving wall. That's the way they, they build that thing. So when people would come in, uh, that they knew they were Christians, they would move the wall and they go in the back room. So they were there worshiping the Lord back there. And when somebody came to the store, it was like a storefront. They didn't know. It was just a regular store. But it's not a small little store. And he told us the story because it was so hard. But this guy actually, actually, there was, his name was Adifogali. That was his name. But there was a, a missionary that was there uh, from that country that came that time. He was with him. And he explained that. I was like, wow, that's pretty, pretty uh, uh, smart to do that. But the risk that you take in such a condition to live that way. Well, we, we don't have this kind of stuff here, but we are persecuted, aren't you? In a workplace, they throw stuff at you. Sometimes in places you are, people make mockery of you, and that's part of persecuting Christians. So when you start standing for Christ and the gospel in your life, you will face opposition. When the church takes a stand for Jesus and the gospel, the church will face opposition. So the enemy attacks, hoping that, he will, that we will back off with the gospel, and you will, will, that phase will fade away from us because, you know, if we did do that and we get intimidated, that we don't tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ. So, let A, stand firm in the Holy Spirit. Stand firm. Even though the word, the word spirit uh, is in lowercase right here, in this, this particular verse right here, it says, it says, any stand fast in one spirit is in lowercase right here in this verse. I believe Paul is talking about the Holy Spirit here. So the Holy Spirit who unifies us in Christ as we share the, uh, we share the gospel with others. So it is the Holy Spirit who gives us the power to witness. It is the Holy Spirit who convicts our heart, tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me put it this way. How many times have you been in a place and you just have that little... Give that person a try. Or tell that person about Jesus. And, and, and we're so comfortable we so, and we don't want to say anything. Who's convicting you? The Spirit of God. He's trying to use you to tell somebody about the Lord. That happens to all of us. We all can't testify of that. And so stand up. Stand firm in the Holy Spirit. Not let it be. Work together for the gospel. Work together for the gospel. Verse 27, may he of your fears. It says work together. It's togetherness right here. So Paul first instructed to stand firm in the Holy Spirit. Second, he tells us to work together as a team for the gospel. Paul describes this as a striving together for the faith of the gospel. Let me put it this way. Is the lady that got saved today. Do we work together on that? Yeah. Some prayed. Some witnessed. Some witnessed. Other witnessed. You see, a tree was planted. A tree was planted. A seed was planted. People watered that seed, watered that seed, and watered that seed, and took one to go there and say, Amen. he said yes. Amen. You see, it's a unity of many coming together and telling other, tell another one that needs to hear the gospel. And they have, you have a soul that was saved today. Think of an athletic team. In order for a team to be successful, they need to work together, isn't it? All right. Let me put it this way. You like sports here. You like sports? Okay. You like sports. Okay. I've seen this happen over time and time again. You put a super team together. And there's total disunity in that team. And I tell you more than likely, they're not going to win anything. They're not. It happens in sports. You see it all the time. You know why? Because they're not unified. You follow that? 
The gospel wants us to be unified or causes us to be unified because we're working as a team for the same cause. That's what it does. So, togetherness right here. And Paul is together here with these people. Paul is telling the church of Philippi, you know what? We need to, we need to move on as things go on. So, if the team, uh, let me go about this team thing. So, Paul says we need to work together like a, will, a well-trained army. Think of a company of soldiers fighting side by side, soldier to soldier. Uh, soldier, I mean, uh, soldier, what's the word? Shoulder to shoulder. Okay, there we go. Staying in formation and advancing against the enemy as one man. This is not just unity, but unity for a purpose, to win the battle or perhaps even to survive. Paul says, uh, says one purpose in the church is the faith of the gospel. You know what? It is sad today that many churches do not preach the gospel. They don't give out this good news that Jesus saves. My pastor said to me one time, a church that stopped preaching the gospel, that church lost the purpose of its existence. And I said, wow, that is a I mean, sober statement. It is true. I mean, if we don't preach the gospel, what are we doing here? Feeling good about each other? I mean, it's good. I mean, fellowship is wonderful, don't get me wrong. But we have to do what God taught us in his, his word. You know, create those things in order to reach those who are lost. Listen, there's two types of, of evangelism. is is individual evangelism and is, and is corporal evangelism. But either way, we have to be involved in those things. Okay? So, Paul says, live worthy of the gospel of Christ. Stand firm in the Holy Ghost and work together as a team of the gospel. Number three, isn't that the last slogan is, no fear. No fear in service. Look at verse 28 all the way to verse 30. And in nothing terrified by your adversary, which is to them an evident token of prediction, uh, but to you of salvation and of God. For unto, you, uh, for unto you it is given on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which ye saw in me, and now here to be in me. So, our first slogan, whatever, whatever happens, right? Our second slogan, one Lord to serve. And our third one, no fear. No fear in service. Do not fear, letter A, those who oppose you. Listen, folks, I see some people very intimidated about telling anybody about the Lord. Fear. Why do we fear about telling someone about Jesus? Or oh, you don't understand. Maybe they don't want to hear me. Or oh, maybe there's not the appropriate time. Uh, uh, I am too busy. You know, it's all about fear. Fear of coming out of our comfort zone and tell somebody about the Lord Jesus. Let me put it this way. I mean, I know some of you grew up in Christian homes and you got, you, 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 you went to church in a womb and, and as soon as you get out, you know, then, then you got saved almost immediately. I'm just kidding. But, but I didn't get saved when I was a kid. I got saved. I was 32 years old. I am grateful for the person that took time and out of his way to lead me to Christ. When I remember my salvation, I always thank the Lord for that person. Praise the Lord for that person the Lord used to, to, to witness to me. And those of you who have been, been uh, saved that later years, you probably think the same. Even those who are young, praise the Lord for the person that led me to Christ. Amen. If it's your parents, praise the Lord. If it's a neighbor, praise the Lord. If it's somebody at the church, praise the Lord. You know what? It's wonderful. They, they had no fear to talk with us. Why should we have fear to reach others? See, first slogan, whatever happens. Second slogan, one Lord to serve. 
And number three is no fear. No fear. Do not fear those who oppose you. Paul is telling us, why are you terrified? So the word terrified means to be, to be settled or to be in panic here. He uses a, use a horse, on, uh, like, it was like using a horse on a battlefield, which would suddenly uh, just, just go out of control and panic and, 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 and the heat of, of war and just walk away and, and the soldier will fall off the horse because the horse panic. You ever see a horse doing that? One example, you know, a horse going, I mean, some areas where this horse is on the road, they, they, sometimes they say, oh, calm down so the horse doesn't panic. Well, sometimes people panic that way. They don't want to do because they're so afraid even to witness for the Lord. Paul is saying, don't be intimidated, don't panic, do not fear. Stand strong in the face of opposition. Listen, folks. One time we were going to on visitation, and uh, we were in this group. It was three of us. And uh, it was a beautiful home. Don't get me wrong. It was a beautiful home. Sit back, gorgeous home. And one guy goes, these people will never listen to us. They don't need God. Look what they have. We look at each other like, brother, where's your faith? They need Christ just like you do. Like, you want to stay here? We're going that way. You can stay here by yourself and wait. You know, and he stood and we walked. And finally, he just kind of got two cents in him and up we go. And we went, knock on that door, talk to that people. You know what? They need Jesus just like anybody else. Because at the foot of the cross, we're all the same. There's no rich and poor. Okay, so do not fear for those who oppose you. Number one, you are on the winning team. Oh, goodness. If I'm in the winning team, why am I going to, well, I'm going to be afraid of the adversary? Hey, I'm winning the battle over here. Why am I going to be afraid of you? You know? Well, don't walk around like with arrogance say, look at me. No. Well, we're in the winning team. We read the book. We know the ends. Right? So it was our, our goal to get them from the losing team and putting them, what, well, in the winning team. That's what happened to me. That's what happened to you. So you're in the losing team. I want you here. Want to come to my team? That's what it is. So do, do you know that uh, why you, you, you can't, I'm sorry, we're not running here. <laughs> so, so you have God on your side. There we go. You haven't, you're on the winning team. You, you read the Bible. You know, you, from cover to cover. I hope you did. We are winning. We're going to win. So, okay, do not fear those who oppose you. You are in a winning team. Number two, you fearless is assigned to them. Now, only Paul says your fearless is assigned to, to the opposition, but look at verse 28, which is to them an evidence token of prediction, but to you of salvation and that, God, and that of God. Listen, when people oppose you and you find yourself like, I am glad I'm saved, because it's clear. Listen, what they oppose you is what you say in. Because if you go to them and, you know, remember the Yvonne lady in the old days? Ding dong, they ring the bell and they come and you open the door. Ah, you like to see all those goodies. You know, when you knock on somebody's door, you have goodies. What are you offering? The gospel. They're not opposing you, they're opposing your message. So why you get offended? Don't get offended. They're opposing God, not you. You're just a messenger. I see people sometimes in here, hey, listen, hey, that's God's word. Just go argue with them. <laughs> if you don't like, go argue with them. Go outside, go argue with them. You know, like, just tell them you don't agree with them. Don't argue with me. So, 
It's a sign to them. It's a, so to us, it's a comforting thing because, oh, you know, this is happening because I'm a child of God. That's why they, they're doing that. So, have you ever seen two basketball teams warming up on the court before a game? Ever seen that? Their coaches teach them to come out, out strong, bringing with confidence, take, uh, taking strong uh, layups and getting uh, in, in a huddle and shooting in, in unison there. They wanted to, what are they trying to do? They're trying to intimidate the other team. Just wait until the game starts, see what's going to happen. But we are in the game. When the game starts, hey, we're winning here. You're going to lose. You're in a losing team. I want to get you here. Follow that? So why they do that? It's a sign. They are showing to them, we're not afraid of you. You are going down. So, of course, a lot of them, of this brave thing, uh, for, and those teams is going to uh, just to try and intimidate them to lose. You see, you know what? When they do that to us, we stand strong. And they see, like, we don't waver. We don't get a, afraid. So they say, well, what's wrong with that person? I'm going to win. I'm in a winning side. <laughs> so that's how we should be as Christians. When you face opposition for the gospel, sure, listen to this, no fear. This will be a sign to them that you are in control, you know what you believe, and you're telling them the truth. If they intimidate you and you get intimidated, guess what? They, they will jump on you like in words and keep going. You know what? Show no fear. Stand strong. Be firm with your words. Let me put it this way. When you witness to people, when you try to talk to people about the Lord, usually it goes like this. They ask you a question, and you in the middle of trying to answer, they already have another question. And they already have another question. You know what you do? Okay. Doctrinally, they're not very grounded. They don't know anything. Stick with the gospel. Give them the gospel. You know that what they need is salvation. So stick with that. Keep firm with your words and give them the gospel. That's what they need. Otherwise, it's going to be all over the place. Eventually, you get, you're going to get frustrated. And so to speak, you're going to lose your cool. So, let's go let it be. Do not fear suffering for Jesus. We see verse 28, verse 30. Paul saying that here. Do not fear suffering for Jesus. Paul says, why even if you suffer for Jesus, don't be afraid. Number one, suffering for Christ is a gift of God's grace. There are two things to consider here. First of all, suffering for Christ is a gift of God's grace. That sounds odd at first, but look at verse 29. For unto you it is given on the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on Him, but also to suffer for His sake. You see that? The word granted means to give graciously to the favor of someone in God's eyes suffering for Christ as as much as a gift to God's grace as believing in Christ so suffering is not a sign that God has abandoned you but rather that God looks upon you with favor the disciples in Acts rejoiced because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace in the name of Christ we see this in Acts chapter 5 verse 41 think about it part of living worthy of the gospel is that God counts you worthy to suffer for Him if it's necessary. And Jesus said that, you know, you pick up your cross and follow me. Sometimes that cross is heavy. But He says that way. You know, pick up your cross and follow me. Part of that verse. 
Oh, actually, I have the verse here. I didn't look at it. Matthew 6. Actually, go to Matthew 16, 24. I was kind of trying to get the, the whole verse, but I have the verse right here. Matthew 16, 24. Jesus is very clear right here what he says about describing how sometimes even we have to suffer for the Lord Jesus Christ. Look, it says here. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him what? Deny himself, take up his cross, and what? Follow me. The Lord is clear right here. Sometimes the cross that we carry is a heavy cross. Talking about the cross means suffering, or taking the cross means suffering. A cross is a place of suffering. Jesus went there and suffered. So the Philippians were, were suffering for Christ, and Paul wanted them to understand that this was part of their Christian discipleship or Christian living. So number two, others believe, other believers are suffering for Jesus too. So, don't think that you are the, if you suffer for Christ, you are the, the only one that is doing that, or the, it only happens to you. We have a tendency to think this way. Only bad things happen to me. Only those people. I'm only the, the only one that they make mockery of me for Christ. That is not true. That is absolutely not true. You know, some people have said to me, oh, they do that to you because you just, you just they want to see how you react. Then you see them in the same place too. It's not that. If we live for the Lord, if we stand for what is right, if we live a, try to live a righteous, godly life, guess what happens? They will see it, and they will go after you. And they purposely throw the jokes at you, throw the things at you just to get, try to get you going. You know what? Stand firm. Don't fear. So other believers are suffering too. Look, it says in verse 30, it says, Having the same conflict which ye saw in me, and now here to be in me. So Paul said, you know what? I am suffering, and you suffering. It's not just you. It's not just me. It's us together. So Paul had suffered persecution when he was in Philippi. Now the Philippians are going through the same struggle. They saw him when he was there. They experienced, and Paul is in prison himself. So the Bible says these words in 2 Timothy 3.12. It says, yea, in all that... Will live godly in Christ Jesus. What, look what it says, present tense, shall suffer persecution. It's not a strange thing to the Christian life that we are persecuted sometimes verbally, sometimes physically. But if we live for the Lord in a righteous way, we will experience those things. It can be words, and many times it's words. I know quite a few folks on which family members said to them, I, will never, I, will never, I don't want to talk to you. We dishonor you as a member of our family because of what you have done. Well, you know what you have done, folks? You know what they did? They just received Jesus as their Savior. That was enough. That's persecution, isn't it? So, keep in mind here that the Bible is not suggesting or saying that just maybe you will suffer persecution. The Bible says that we will suffer persecution. Those who, are, who try to live righteously and live for the Lord. So we praise the Lord that we, there's no so physical persecution here in America. But in other parts of the world, many brothers and sisters have even died because of the cause of Christ. Others have suffered for Jesus. Why should we be exempt of that? Remember, we are all partners together of the gospel. And so we should expect our position. In fact, if we are not experiencing any opposition, that perhaps, perhaps, we need to evaluate whether we are indeed standing firm in one spirit, contending for the gospel, or if we're not saved at all. 
We have to be careful with that. So Paul says, don't be afraid of opposition. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. We need to develop this no-fear attitude in believers in Jesus Christ. You know, Paul says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of opposition. Don't be afraid of that. Stand firm for the things of God. Well, I conclude with this tonight. In closing, let me make several application points for us tonight. First of all, we must make the gospel our number one priority as individuals and as a church. All right? That's one thing we should do. Make the gospel as a number one priority as individuals and as a church. Living the gospel. Be uh, a reflection of who we are as believers. Secondly, we must work hard to maintain unity in the body of Christ. You don't want a body of Christ that is, that is not unified. Because we're in the same team together. Remember, a team that is, does, doesn't have unity doesn't go anywhere. But a team that is unified, that team is going somewhere. You ever heard sometimes in sports, the best team lost? It happens. You say, what happened there? Well, there was one team there. They were work as a block. And they went at it as a block. They were united. See, that many times happens. So we must work to maintain the unity of the body of Christ. Number three, let, let us be bold in our Christian faith and witness. Don't be afraid. Stand firm. Don't be afraid of telling others about the Lord. So we have, we, what we have learned tonight, whatever happens, we go on. It goes on. Whatever happens, happens. <laughs> Determined to live for Jesus no matter what happens. Trust God in, in good times and bad times, whatever happens. Number two, serve the Lord. Stand firm in the Holy Spirit, working together as a team. Serve the Lord each day. Number three, no fear. No fear. You know, one of the things of the Christian life is no fear. Jesus went to that cross with no fear. You know, the disciples spread the gospel throughout the world with no fear. Many Christians had, had even burned alive with their whole families because there was no fear. You know what? We shouldn't. Being different, we should be the same. No fear. Stand firm for God. No fear. You know why? Because here's one thing. When they see that, when you stand firm and you have no fear, they're going to respect you for like that person doesn't waver. And that's a good thing. Because ultimately, they need to come to the winning team. They need the Lord. That's what they need. You know, the person that led me to Christ, he knew that I needed the Lord. He didn't give up on me. He witnessed to me. He told me the truth. Same thing about other people. You know, family members, neighbors, uh, all kinds of people we come in contact with. You know what they need? They need the Lord. That's what they need. They need salvation. So what we do is whatever happens, happens. Paul said, you know, if I live or die, you go one. Whatever happens, you go one. Serve one Lord. Don't serve any other Lord. Serve the Lord. And no fear in your service to the Lord. No fear. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much, Lord, for this passage of Scripture. Thank you, Lord, for the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul tonight. Lord, he's, uh, he's saying to Philippians, whatever happens, happens. We just go on. Help us to be that way as your children, Lord. Many things happen to us, and a lot of things happen that we now we have control of it. But, Lord, I pray, Father... Help us to trust you, to live with no fear, but to stand firm 
and to live like we are in the winning team, Lord, and what, on which we are. And I pray, Father, if there's someone here tonight that's never received Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, or someone online tonight, may right there in the privacy of their own home, they call upon you for salvation. May they come to the winning team. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.